0: Reddit podcast. Curtis,
1: so good. Hello
0: and welcome to the Celtics Reddit podcast. My name is Ben Vallis. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. The off season is long and boring, but it is not without news. President Brad Stevens. Coaching hire process is already underway, plus we're seeing repeated Campbell Walker trade rumors circulating in the press. We'll get to what rumored trade rumors would be the best compliment to Tatum and Brown and hit on some of the key upcoming dates through the offseason. Jason, a.k.a. Celtics J, is back for his second Ooh. podcast. Good to have you back, man. How you doing?
1: Second's the best, so they say.
0: second time lucky we we do have two other new additions to the pod they were supposed to come on yesterday but I had to bail last minute sorry about that guys Uh, but they'll surely make their debut soon but uh Jason in the meantime let's get into it shall we let's do it so on the coaching search so a Woj bomb I don't know if you can call it a a Woj bomb uh you, you make up your mind ESPN sources according to Woj Celtics president Brad Stevens has started to get permission to speak to head coaching candidates including with assistance, Johnsy Billups of the Clippers, Darvin Ham, great Boston name, and Charles Lee from the Bucks, <laughs> Jamal Mosley from the Mavs, and Ime Odoka from the Nets. Um, thoughts on on this short list? There's a sort of a notable lack of Sam Cassell there, so I'm curious, Jason, on mm. your thoughts on this little short list here.
1: It's it's the Woj bomb that's essentially saying all of these people's agents are doing their job, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, classic reporting. Like, every every single potential or possible candidate is at their name being thrown out there right now. I, I think the most notable thing is that all the internal candidates have kind of gotten their chance to to say their make their case um to Brad and the rest of the organization. Seems like a couple of guys have been having stuff put out about them, uh especially stuff that they've done positively within the Celtics organization to help market them to other teams. I know a couple of guys have been getting noted for other jobs already. Um, and then there was a a note that came out recently. That I'm for, I'm gonna forget the coach's name because it's the first time like you've actually heard about this guy in the public arena. But the one that did the the paddle on uh, Romeo Langford's hand, uh, you know, and they made a big deal to you know amplify that whole thing to, to help market him to other teams. I think he's interviewing over in Detroit. All oh, right. And, okay. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna feel like a jerk because I'm forgetting his name now. That's, I'm googling that's Romeo Langford
0: paddle. <laughs> that's that's the best way to do it we're gonna get the info here for you people (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: we're gonna that's listen that's the raw stuff that the people need to know about but i think really the the last the (laughs) last week or so has been all about the the boston uh assistant coaches getting the chance to you know figure out what their next step is going to be in the organization just trying to help them with that brad made it clear in his press conference when they were all talking about this initially that that was his primary focus right off the bat was making sure his guys were taken care of and, and whatever that meant for each of them. So yeah. from here moving forward, I think yeah they're just gonna go you know they're gonna go through all the cupboards and figure out what the the best match is. And I think we're gonna hear just about every single name out there because it goes like that every year for every open coaching
0: position. Yeah, and I, look, I think paddle guy is Joe Mazzulla. According That's to the Celtics one.
1: blog, yeah. <laughs> see I there know because of the eyes. <laughs> you know we hear a lot about yeah. the other guys,
0: but. Yeah, the the paddle guy, like that was his claim to fame so far. Can't go wrong with the paddle. Put the paddle on everybody, I say, <laughs> right? Just <laughs> just Everyone's paddle. got room to improve. Uh, like user RizQZ1 wrote, at least Jason Kidd is not on that short list of players. Um, mm. Another name that was thrown he out there recently. He would have taken himself off the list anyway. <laughs> right, right? Another <laughs> name that was uh, thrown out there recently, sort of in an unofficial capacity, was Mike D'Antoni, which I think would be interesting. Um, just go, go all out offense with the Jays, right? Uh, I don't know I don't necessarily think that that would be a good appointment for for Brad Stevens and the Celtics I just think like we've seen the best that Mike D'Antoni has to offer and we can't necessarily expect a jump despite you know a change in personnel and I don't know it just doesn't doesn't sit well with me
1: yeah I'm not on board with it either um I you know it'd probably make for better podcasting if we had like really opposing opinions on this but yeah (laughs) I'm not a not a big D'Antoni fan for for this team right now and I think We've kind of gotten the sense, you know, the the news and the insight that has come out that the, the team is looking for a player-centered perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something that seems like a clear point of emphasis and a need for this organization and for this team specifically, especially for the types of players that we have. Um, you know, I think that's just what they're looking for. I think that's what, what Brad's going to be searching for is you know someone that comes in with that kind of cachet and that kind of perspective that's going to connect well with these guys and really get them fired up the way that you know we're seeing a, a coach like monty williams now having a lot of success with that phoenix team um which you know i don't know if you've been catching any of those games but they've been dynamite to watch
0: oh they've been awesome yeah the playoffs have been great so far I mean, have you got a second round playoff darling that you sort of are following so far I mean, I'm falling in love with Phoenix. I can't help it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, Again, I can't help it. We're not going to have any opposing viewpoints on this podcast by the of it, but I sound it. Falling uh, in Phoenix, love with Phoenix. Absolutely. You know, yeah.
1: I love seeing LA, even though it's the Clippers, get their butt kicked a little bit by the Jazz. You know, like, I'm not mad about that.
0: Yeah. Um, and there's an incentive for the Clippers to lose, which we'll get into in some trade discussions in, in an upcoming segment. But uh, I think we should all be rooting for the for the Clippers to lose, to sort of um, play into our hand a little bit as far as a, a hypothetical trade that we'll we'll get to. Uh, but the suns absolutely. man chris paul 36 i'm i'm 34 at the moment i play basketball and just have no sort of hope for myself at all athletically <laughs> speaking or even skill wise or anything and i know it's obviously a completely different level and scale but to watch cb3 at 36 just carving up the denver defense there um it's, it's just it's, it's inspiring <laughs> it's, it's absolutely lovely. inspiring um Getting to another scorching woge bomb, absolutely devastating woge bomb here. Uh, quote <laughs> Brad Stevens interviewed Joe Missoula, paddle guy. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> yeah. In addition to Jerome Allen, Jay Larinaga, and Scott Morrison from his own staff, Missoula was the coach responsible for the famous ping pong paddle workouts. There you go, there with go. Romeo Lankford. Um, how do you feel about potentially hiring an existing Celtics coach there?
1: I, I just don't think it's ever been part of the plan. Mm-hmm. You know, when when they did their original press conference to make all the announcements, Brad was pretty clear that again, his, his primary uh prior or his primary priority right off the bat was to make sure his guys were taken care of one way or the other. Whether that meant finding them ways to stick on to the staff and move forward or helping them market themselves for jobs outside of the organization. But I just don't know that anyone on our Staff to this point has set themselves apart you know the one guy that's had a lot of interest picking up steam lately is Jerome Allen mm-hmm. um, and the way that he's developed a lot of relationships with the players on the team and that seems to be something that is you know getting a little bit of a head of steam on it. so I suppose if anyone from what I've seen come out you know on the internet and what have you seems to be in the lead of that conversation, it would be Jerome Allen, mm-hmm. but otherwise you know i I think they're looking outside of that.
0: Scott Morrison is the name of the Australian Prime Minister. Uh, who, okay. not to get too political i'm not a fan of uh he <laughs> leans very far right uh and i just couldn't i don't know if i could psychologically handle scott morrison albeit another scott morrison being the the, the prime minister of the celtics as well we're so we're gonna uh, need a lot
1: more paddles
0: yeah <laughs> that's right um there's a quote here from from kara lawson which you, you kindly added to the run sheet there jason uh quote i've done really well in my career by focusing on myself in the moment um I love my time in Boston. I love coaching those players. It was a special time in my life. The speculation—you can chase a lot of rabbits down a lot of holes. which Man, I, it, I don't know what to take from that. That's that's a Brad Stevens what? level of bullshit right there.
1: Right there. That's exact, That's why I threw it on there because you know yeah. she's she's a candidate and everything. And um, yeah. If hire that Ever right there now. was someone that clearly is cut from the Brad Stevens cloth of how to handle the media, she is she is on point. Um, you know, a couple people have been posting a lot of miscellaneous videos of her doing work over at Duke, um, some ins- you know, inspirational speeches she's been giving to her teams. There was one video that got posted, seemed a little bit out of context for considering her for an NBA head coaching uh, position, but it was still a really sentimental one on one with one of her players that seemed to be having a difficult time. And you just saw her kind of getting on that player's level and just finding a way to connect with her. And it was it was cool to see her in that. And as much as I think some people are using those videos to promote her as you know a, an ideal candidate for the Celtics head coaching position, I think it also speaks a little bit to what she's in the process of doing right now at Duke um, and how important that is for her—not just for her uh, professionally and developing her expertise and her her skill set as a coach, but personally, she seems to have a really intimate investment in what she's doing over there. So if she was to decide to make that leap into the NBA, um, and start with the Boston Celtics, I would certainly hope that it came with the the confidence and the support that Brad Stevens has been able to appreciate and um, what he received from Ainge as far as just a lot of support, a lot of confidence. And even when things were challenging and difficult right off the bat, uh, Ainge never wavered, you know, and he never let Brad waver. And I would just hope that if that were a step that he was going to help someone like Kara take this early in her career um, without having the same kind of Uh, platform, or rather just foundation that even Brad, even though he was a younger coach, he still had some years under him. He had put together a couple of teams. He had had some success. I just think that would be really important, but you can tell that she's really personally invested in what she's doing. I think it would Take a lot to pull her away from that. And it's Duke. It's not like it's a small program.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like that, you could, she could stay at Duke her entire career and do very, very well for herself. Um, yeah. And I'm sure get many head coaching offers down the line as well. So that that would probably be a really good get for the Celtics, um, like given just her, her short but, but rich resume there. Uh, and the players really seem to respond to her. Um, speaking of the players, Brian Robb reported on his podcast, the uh, um, Winning Plays podcast, that. Brad Stevens recently had lunch or dinner or something with Jalen Brown to get his input on the coaching hire, which, that's you know, smart. speaking of the players' response to the coaches, I, I just think that's such a great um, piece of news to emerge out of all of this. And the fact that it's, you know, it's not speculation, it's fact. And uh, it's just nice to hear that in his early days as, as President Brad Stevens, in a- official capacity, he's actually working with our players to make the right appointment there with, with their best interests in mind, which is what you want. So nice to hear that that's actually a yeah. thing.
1: And I mean, Jalen, what, what, at 22, he was elected the the VP of the MVPA. So it's like, yeah. you know, he, he's kind of our Chris Paul. I mean, yeah. obviously, they're different players with different skill sets and what have you, but like, that is the guy. Like, you want to be tapped into that guy. And if you've got someone like uh, Jason, who's not maybe quite so vocal, then you've got the guy that pairs with them in Jalen, who, I mean, this guy is a remarkably skilled basketball player for sure. And his talent, I think we're just st- still even seeing that start to emerge. Mm-hmm. But he's just, just such a sort of skilled speaker, and, and you know he's so thoughtful and it just. It is very comforting to know that it's well recognized within the organization, the value that they have in Jalen beyond just the basketball court, beyond just what happens during those forty-eight minutes, and getting his insight and feedback
0: into what's going to help work in that locker room. Yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree more. Um... Moving on slightly, so the people of Celtics Reddit have very kindly gathered some intel on some of the candidates. This was posted by user rls012. It's a tweet by Palparish, not like a big Twitter account or anything, um, but certainly useful in this scenario. So the tweet is: uh, Darvin Ham, or the post rather, is Darvin Ham is an excellent candidate for the next Celtics head coach. Here is a Twitter thread on him. Listen to this. Listen to some of this uh, information here. So Darvin Ham is an excellent candidate to be the next Celtics head coach. He won a title under Larry Brown as a player, coached in the D-League, and has been an assistant for the Lakers, Hawks, and Bucks. Moving on, an Eastern, Con- Eastern Conference scout said, quote, he's almost overqualified. He has presence, he's sharp, and he's played for good coaches. Carl Korver, I'm assuming, they just mentioned Korver here, has talked about how powerful and emotional Ham's message was when addressing the team before walking out in the bubble last year, which is a huge moment for the league and, and for those players as well. Darvin Ham is not only respected as a tactician and a coaching mind, but has excelled in creating and fostering relationships with players. Woj stated that Ham made incredible impressions with Indiana and the Clippers when interviewing for the jobs later this year. The thread goes on. I'll I'll actually, I'll post it in the the show notes for this podcast and there's some interviews with him and it just sounds like universally he's just this overall well-rounded character, you know, personally and professionally as well. I, I didn't have... Darvin Ham in my mind, really, as, as a potential candidate. Um, but, you know, obviously, at a time where someone is going for a job, they're going to have, you know, essentially references in this case where people mm-hmm. are sort of, you know, publicly saying good things about them. But um, I don't know, that's an impressive sort of slew of comments there. What do you, what do you think on Darvin Ham specifically?
1: Gotta love that feedback. Plus, that dude's broken a couple backboards, I think, in his day. Yeah, like, that, that was his <laughs> yes, claim to fame in right. the pros, man. He, he he could slam he could slam the ball like just about anybody. But, um, kind of like Ime Odoka, you know, he's a little bit of a journeyman. It seemed like kind of always played a, a smaller role on on competitive teams. Even with that, I think it was the Pistons team that he ended up winning the the chip with, if I'm if I remember correct. Um, and you know, so like he's played that that smaller role on those teams. But he's been on really successful teams. He's been surrounded by really successful organizations and, and other coaches. It's great to hear that feedback from other players because that's what you're looking for. You're looking for somebody that can that understands the game at a way, in a way that these players are going to respect and, and be able to learn from and, and draw from, but also have a certain kind of fire that's going to get them motivated and get them feeling really passionate about what they're, what they're doing out there. And so, I mean, that sounds pretty good i'm willing to hear more about that
0: sounds absolutely. better
1: than some of the stuff coming out about some of the other candidates you know it's like you know i'm, I'm glad hearing some good stuff
0: yeah absolutely and darvin ham coach ham darvin it's a, it's a great name it sounds good in an australian accent it sounds good in a, a bostonian accent which are weirdly similar um with an ar there um there's I just some think... potential there <laughs>
1: there's some potential there especially with All right, so a lot of people. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna go on a side tangent just for a quick second, please, for a quick second, because (laughs) because there's a lot of temperamental stuff happening in the sub right now. Some people are feeling really extreme on either ends of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. and no matter what's going on, and no matter what kind of uh, you know craziness is happening with the team, the organization, what have you, no matter how much Kemp is getting paid, there's reason for optimism, like legitimate, genuine optimism. And I'll, I'll tell you why. It's two words. Yam Madar.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. P- I feel it. And yeah. if we can get Darwin, then we got We got we got the
0: ham and the Yam. The ham yam combo. <laughs> Alright.
1: Thanksgiving. The dinner sir. <laughs> it's the feast is ready. Let's go.
0: Yeah. Those are like the two opposing keys, you know, like in like a <laughs> nuclear silo that you turn That's at the ready. same time. Ham and yam. That unlocks, you know, the vault. Uh, in which lies the IT curse, so we can go in there and, and finally <laughs> dispel right. of that. So I, I believe That's in right. that wholeheartedly. Uh, Celtics credit user President Brad on Dovenham wrote, this might be a little unfair of me to knock him for this, but being under the Budenholzer coaching tree for the past eight years, noted for a lack of playoff success and failures to adjust, doesn't exactly inspire me. Uh, which I guess we have to give credence to because ooh, we talk about the Popovich pedigree is there a negative pedigree that you think um, like sort of cascades down to assistants where if they've worked under maybe incompetent is the wrong word, but certainly as far as playoff success, incompetent um, coach Bud, do, do you think that that applies in this scenario?
1: Um, no, <laughs> no, I don't think it does. I, and I suppose because at the end of the day, that team's success or failures is, is going to lie on, the players playing the game and the coach making the final decisions. Right. Yeah. Um, What we're getting is the feedback from other players um, and, and other outlets that this guy is well, well connected to the players and that he's seen things in a way that they're responding positively to, you know, in his position, in his role, he's not responsible for the wins and losses on the court. No more than, than the assistants that have worked under pop or the assistants that have worked under Brad during this time. You know, that's why you're the head coach. When you're the head coach, that, the record falls on you, right? Like that's the the, the blessing and the curse of that role. So mm-hmm. I think to hold their success in the playoffs against one of the assistants is, you know, I, I, I get what the, I get what president Brad is bringing up and, you know, you can certainly kind of go down that road to see what they've been around and what they're learning from. But I don't know that that would be something that would be a deal breaker for me in considering him as a candidate. And I don't think, I don't think the actual Brad, the, the other president, Brad, would the
0: necessarily real one. hold it against him either. <laughs> yeah, maybe he rocks up with a list of like, here's what not to do. Here's what I've learned from working <laughs> under Coach Bud. That's right. Um, That's right. That's right. Sticking with the intel gathering of the the lovely folks of Celtics Reddit, this comes from user Save Hogwarts, and they've made a post, for those unfamiliar with Ime Oduka, um, I've just summarized that post here, and again, I'll add this to the show notes so you can go and read the whole thing. They go on to say, he's been a guy I've followed since his late playing days in the NBA. Towards the end of his career, he was well known for hanging around practices with Pop and Brett Brown and the Spurs assistants to soak up knowledge and give input. Turns out he's a pretty cool story. Udoka spent seven years under Popovich climbing the ranks while watching his fellow assistants spreading their own wings elsewhere. Udoka's seven years of apprenticeship under Popovich made him appreciate doing the dirty work on the sidelines. Just like when he was a blue collar player, His stint under Brown, Brett Brown as a second in command. Meanwhile, gave him the leeway to put his own stamp on a game plan. Um, So right there, we see the sort of combination of, of positive pedigree, and negative, and that he's worked with Popovich and, and Brett Brown. We we did touch on Adoka um, last week, there, Jason. But you know, from reading this or from anything else that's emerged in the in the past week, is there have you changed at all with your stance on this guy? Uh,
1: he, I mean, he seems like a guy that once he gets an opportunity, he could very likely have a lot of success. Just. And for me, it's completely personal in, in how I'm interpreting the, the the stuff that I'm seeing video and interview wise from him. He just doesn't seem like a guy that has that that fire inspiration button or can can tap into that energy. You know, he's got that Brad energy, mm-hmm. which it just seems like everyone, including Brad, is saying we need to get something a little bit different than that. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to even express. You know, my my disinterest in in going down that road as a knock against him as a coach, right? I'm just saying he almost seems too Brad-like in the way that he does things or the way that he communicates for it to be a good fit for the Celtics currently.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely fair. Let's move on to some more Kemba trade rumors, Kemba Walker trade rumors. This comes from Bleacher Report earlier this week. Sources said the Boston Celtics (laughs) and Kemba Walker, Bleacher Report, reputable source, sources (laughs) Yo, this Kemba stuff is a mess. So, okay. Well, okay. Let's just get through the the, the tweet here. So, the sources said the Boston Celtics and Kemba Walker are likely to move forward from their relationship this offseason in a mutual (laughs) agreement between the parties. And then Chris Mannix followed it up a day or two later for Kemba to hear his name in trade rumors that- absolutely has frustrated him. So, I mean, there's, there's simultaneously a lot and not much to unpack there because, like, obviously it's frustrating to hear your name in trade rumors. For those rumors to be coming out of Bleacher Report, you know, it, there's not necessarily a lot of substance uh, in that report. But one thing, this is one reason I wanted to bring it up on the pod, was that the, the volume and the frequency of these trade rumors has increased. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I feel like the rumors were sort of, for the most part, limited to the fan base. And there was some murmurings, you know, around the trade deadline with potentially, and prior to the season with Kemba being rumored to be traded to the Bulls, but really not this much Kemba Walker trade rumor um, condensed within this period of time since he's signed with the Celtics, I think. So I think it's worth revisiting in that sense. Um, I feel like your initial reaction is sort of, you've told us everything we need to know, but have have you got any more thoughts on, on these, these rumors that have come up here for Kemba?
1: It makes sense that, that he'd be frustrated, right? Like this is a guy that, by by no fault of his own hasn't had the kind of success that he was looking to have here like he was excited to come onto a team that's been in consecutive years really competitive in the playoffs and that's what he was looking to do he was looking to be able to shine in the playoffs and even in the brief times that he's had to showcase his talent in the playoffs he's been held back by some injuries um so then to feel like you haven't even had the chance to show an organization as well as a fan base how strong you can be out on the court and, and how you can, you can know how high a level you can perform at to then also hear your name and all these trade rumors. I mean, Marcus has dealt with the same frustration, right? Marcus has communicated outwardly to the media how much he's been frustrated when he hears his name and trade rumors. Then Danny's got to go have a heart-to-heart with him and be like, yo, it's not personal, it's just business, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it all makes sense. Um, I wonder if it's almost a good sign to hear all this stuff coming out. Because, I mean, obviously the Boston narrative from the organization is going to be no no no. that's not what's happening right this stuff is just being fabricated and if if we take that at face value and assume that these things aren't coming directly out of the the boston organization it might be a good indicator that there's a little bit more interesting kemba walker out there than a lot of our fan base might initially think Mm mm-hmm so on one hand, it's like obviously frustrating and it's probably, you know, where there's smoke, there's probably a little bit of fire. But I wonder if that fire is more about other teams' interest in Kemba because he is a really good player. Um, and as if what we're hearing right now is true, that, you know, his injury in this particular playoffs isn't necessarily the same that he's dealt with in the past. And it's just this bone bruise. And with a full off season, this guy could come back as strong as ever. You know he's not completely over the hill yet. You know writing him off and saying that he's like the the least valuable player dollar for dollar in the league is, I think, kind of an overstatement and a mm-hmm. little bit of hyperbole. So this could be a good thing, um, either because it's a demonstration that his trade value is going to be higher than we're anticipating or than we've expected, um, or you know that we do value him more than you know maybe we would immediately assume, and he could come back next year and and do a nice job of proving a lot of the fan base wrong. And that would be great because that would be success and winning cures everything.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I do think that you could sell opposing teams on, I mean, I obviously have no idea, but I would imagine you could try to sell them on the fact that, Hey, look, Kemba, he's got this full off season ahead of him for the first time in, in ages, obviously with the COVID you know, lockdown and transitioning to the bubble. Um, you know, And then the quick turnaround to the next season, he didn't have a full off season there. The season prior, he played for Team USA in the People World Cup. Like He hasn't had a full off season to recover since really signing with the Celtics. Now this is his first full off season. Now he can truly recover. And therefore, now he's a worthy trade piece. Because I yeah. think we've seen enough healthy Kemba to know that he probably isn't the best complement for the Jays, regardless of the status of his health. And so I personally hope that the Celtics can amicably move on from him um user cosmic oreos wrote i don't know how accurate manix is but i'm sure there is a level of frustration on kemba's part i'd try and find some kind of deal to get him elsewhere this season if possible
1: what would you be looking for in in a trade for kemba like what's what kind of what level of player are you looking for in return or would you would you look at that as just like looking for like the salary dump of it
0: yeah it's a really good question um ultimately um I think ultimately I'm looking for us to have cap space in, in 2023 because there are some intriguing free agents that are um, available at that time. And so I think in the meantime, we just need to complement the Jays with <laughs> complementary pieces um, to to put them on the path to success in the meantime. Um, so for me, that's kick out options. It's, it's two things. Well, <laughs> three things, but I'm going to sound greedy saying this. So the first one would be a playmaking point guard. I do think that Marcus Smart, you know, put in his place a little bit by potentially a new coaching hire, um, is completely adequate for that role, and that like he's been our best playmaker for a couple of seasons now. Uh, he's absolutely a defensive positive compared to Kemba Walker, so we, we kind of had that that point um, solved already. Uh, kickout options: Fournier would be a good re-signing. There were reports today that he could only command as little as ten million a year, which would be fantastic. I'd be happy with fifteen going above fifteen, a little bit less intrigued. So
1: get Daisy, yeah.
0: Yeah. So kick out options, absolutely, because I mean, obviously we were injured and and Campbell wasn't himself and Jalen Brown wasn't himself in the playoffs, but so many times you'd see Tatum get penetration and we've seen Brown do the same thing in the past. And then (laughs) you know, kick out to Romeo, you know, who we love for other reasons, um, to you know to knee smith to pritchard and in that situation for rookies you can't expect them to to knock down those those shots at that level of the game um so kick out options is the second one and big men and i i think we're sort of 50 50 collectively as a fan base as to whether or not rob williams is the guy certainly when he's on the floor and he's healthy the attention he demands as a lob threat really opens up the paint for guys like tatum Uh, and Brown and even guys like Evan Fournier who has proven himself um, not just as a knockdown three-point shooter but as a guy who can drive and dish himself and get to the cup so um, that big man aspect would be the the third point there so there's a lot of lot of complementary spots or holes to fill there for for uh, for Tatum and Brown and I I do think that you could start to fill some of those gaps by getting rid of Kemba Walker what are you what are your thoughts on that
1: so there's there's like (sighs) It's tough because of the contract. It does make it tough. And and separate from just like his value with the contract, I think just it's just the nature of the size of the contract. So building a deal for Kemba is just going to be a challenge regardless of what you think his value is or isn't. Um New York obviously has a lot of cap space that they can absorb a big contract and they could definitely use a guy like Kemba on that squad. Like that was that was demonstrably evident in this particular playoffs. Yeah. Um and so New York seems like a team that would really entertain a conversation around Kemba, and that would obviously give us the ability to just offload a lot of that contract. If if I'm Brad, I'm 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 trying to get Toppin if I can get Toppin. Mm-hmm. Love Obi. Um, he, you know he's not. I don't think he's a complete solution to the big man issues. Um, but I think he's a a good young talent that's not necessarily so much of a project that he can't contribute right away. I think he would fit in well as a big coming off the bench in a 4 or 5 reserve kind of role. Um he's athletic, he's strong, he can run up and down the court, he can pass the ball a little bit. I think he's a well-rounded kid. I think they'd be hard-pressed to give him up, but I'm not quite sure what they're doing with that roster right now. And I know yeah. that with Julius Randall, uh he's not going to get the kind of look that he would get on a on a in the Celtics on the Celtics roster because that's a, an area where they need to have more depth, and that's an area where they tend to have a little bit of depth. Yeah, sure. The other guy, which is more of like my maybe pie in the sky dream here, is um, Pascal Siakam. So if Whoa. Kyle Lowry bounces <laughs> right out of Toronto and they're looking, they're like, man, all right, we're gonna have to try this over again, and that dude doesn't want to hang around, I feel like. He's a perfect four to throw into this lineup with the Jays. He fits mm-hmm. perfect with that timeline. Uh, he was a dynamite third feature on that team that won a championship, and he struggled as the number one guy. And I think appropriately so. I don't know that his game is really tailored to be the number one go-to guy. But you put him next to the Jays. Ooh, that's a mm-hmm. mess. Yeah, that's a mess. So those are the those are like two guys on like the the different ends of the spectrum that I'd be looking at. So if you're looking at just like the contract dump of it, I'd go after a guy like Toppin if you can. If, if there's a team that's really looking to replace a guy like Kyle Lowry and get like a feature guy in there, um, and maybe Siakam's not liking the direction of stuff and wants to get out. I don't know. Like again, that's more of a pie in the sky dream, but that would be a dream <laughs> that's come true. That's, <laughs> that's what, what we do. That's what we do.
0: The pie is always in the sky here on the Celtics Radio Podcast. Some sky pie. <laughs> I uh, I am on the opposite side of the fence there in that I think that we're going to not only can we not expect to get any valuable pieces back for Kemba, especially in in that vein, like your sort of legitimate. Um, either players in, in Pascal Siakam or, or prospective young talent in uh, Obi Toppin, I think we're actually going to have to give up m- multiple pieces of our own just to get rid of Kemba Walker's salary. So using the New York Knicks scenario, they've got pretty much the cap space to absorb his contract. We'd get back, we'd break, <laughs> in, in Brad Stevens' first season, he would break Danny Ainge's record as the largest uh, trader player exception ever, ever acquired um, <laughs> because we could dump Kemba Walker and get a TPE back for that. But in doing Mm. that, I think we'd also have to probably give up our first round pick uh, and potentially other pieces as well. I think, um, you know, despite everything we've just said about the the potential slowly rising value of Kemba Walker, um, I think that it's not a seller's market as far as Kemba is concerned. And we're really going Mm. to have to convince uh, uh, and leverage other teams with our other assets um, to get them to take him off the books for us. So um, a lot remains to be seen there. Um, certainly there are many scenarios to play out and we will be covering all of them it's all very speculative at the moment but that's where a lot of a lot of it's fun right because we can just put out all of these scenarios and uh, you know throw a bunch of shit against the wall and see what sticks essentially. Um, Reddit user Cardinal Yams wrote at one point in the season Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown ranked top 10% in rim shot difficulty and bottom 10% in three point shot difficulty. Only five other players achieved this. How do we make their lives easier on the court? Now we've talked about the complementary aspects of your know, roster pieces and things like that. There are some trade rumors sort of flying around at the moment, Jason. So with that in mind, here are some of the more popular, some might say, realistic trade ideas floating around. Which return do you think best complements the Jays? There's four of them here. I'm just going to read them out really quickly. So Cam to the Clippers for Pat Beverly, Luke Kennard, and Terrence Mann. And I mentioned up the top that we have a vested interest in the Clippers losing this this uh, second round series and sort of having a disappointing end to their season. That's why they'd feel inclined to maybe talk to us there. The other one is Kemba to the Lakers for KCP, Kyle Kuzma and Alfonso McKinney, who makes the money work there. Number three, Kemba to Dallas straight up for Zinger, Chris (laughs) Stapps And number four, keep Kemba. Is keeping Kemba better than any of those uh, hypothetical options there? Have you got a favorite out of all of those, or a least favorite? Keep Kemba. If those are all the op- like, if those are the only <laughs> options, I I just keep Kemba. Yeah, right. Cause, okay. Because if those
1: are all the options right now, and the Celtics organization know that his knee issue isn't going to be like debilitating to the extent that I think a lot of people are are kind of unfortunately under the assumption of, then by the trade deadline, by midseason, he's gonna completely demolish all of that low level value so i mean to quote unquote right like sell low in this particular circumstance with these kinds of deals i just i don't see i don't see the value with these these picks right Mm -hmm. like the best player in any of those well maybe it's a toss-up between you know the potential positive of kristaps if he can actually stay healthy which he's demonstrated less ability than than kemba to do so um and then like maybe pat beverly who's Kind of a poor man's market smart um or at least wants to be a poor man's market smart i don't know that he <laughs> actually is yep so i i don't see any deals there that i like even even under the guise of realism which i always appreciate when people uh tag their posts as realistic trade options
0: <laughs> uh, yeah like this won't get me downvoted if i just put the word <laughs> that's realistic right in that's there, right yeah. you gotta
1: you gotta watch those downvotes <laughs> <laughs> um you know, I, I don't I don't want anything to do with any of those players. Uh, so, you know, in I think number two is maybe the only interesting one, because I I suppose there's a world where you could consider, well, you trade for KCP and Kyle Kuzma and maybe you flip those guys for other assets. But then it's like, why bother going through all that? Why make your job more difficult when Kemba will just as likely increase his trade value midseason? And yeah. again, when Pascal's sick of losing in Toronto because Kyle Lowry left, it's going to be an easy swap. And then everything's <laughs> gonna be better. So I'm just I'm all aboard the Pascal train and I am open to getting <laughs> re- ridiculed for it. Uh, I don't want Port
0: chap. I'm good. Yeah, no, I I think we could cross off the, the Porzingis option there. I just think that's silly. And the, the Mavs would actually be lucky to to walk away with that one, um given all the difficulty they've had with him there. Um the other two though, we talked about well, I talked about um kick out options for the Jays. Luke Cannard would be you know, in the same sort of vein as Fournier there, I think a great kick out option. And he has had some decent games recently in the playoffs. And I think Terrence Mann is an interesting younger prospect at sort of that hybrid four spot, which we, we kind of need the sort of position that, you know, we hoped maybe Grant Williams would fill, but it turns out Grant Williams is a better backup five, you know, at least in the playoffs, Terrence Mm. Mann could fill an interesting role there. Uh, And similarly, KCP uh, good sort of 3 and D guard slash 3 there. Kuzma, um, he hasn't Kuzma's shown better me... better than Tatum, right? <laughs> sure, that's, absolutely. That's what all the Lakers
1: fans <laughs> yeah. have been talking about for a good long while.
0: Yeah, but I mean, he does sort of fit. You know he's a big body who can knock down the 3. He's not a defensive 0. I just think, you know, if you put Marcus Smart at the 1 um, and you bring Fournier back at the 2, then it's sort of about turning Kemba into a better populated bench and guys like KCP and Kuzma or Kennard and Terrence Mann, um, much better bench than, you know, what we rolled out in the year prior. Obviously you try your best to hold on to at least one of Pritchard or Neesmith or, or Langford, because you're probably going to have to ship out a couple of those pieces in, in making this trade happen. Um, but yeah. I do think there's a sort of a rebalancing act, um, that could be achieved there and shipping out Kemba for some of these more complementary pieces. Anyway, very speculative at this point. Um, draft consideration the Celtics do have the 16th pick and I think the 45th pick in the upcoming draft um admittedly not a big college hoops guy not a big draft guy I kind of I read the sort of the one Kevin O'Connor article the day before the draft and that's that's as deep as I go uh what about you Jason you're you're a little bit more local there you're located um in the Massachusetts area have you got a vested interest in any any of these prospects
1: I've actually I've, I've made a couple of posts with guys that that I found interesting um you know, the there's a big a big man Charles Bassey, that I think is an interesting guy for us to take a look at. I mm-hmm. you know there's a general sense that 16 would be too high for him, but I also think it's a little bit early to kind of judge where people's rankings are on on most mock drafts. Like that's going to fluctuate, especially after the lottery, a, a lot leading up to the draft, mm-hmm. and then you know the Celtics organization, Danny Ainge especially has has never shied away from reaching in those teen picks um, for folks that he just kind of buys into. So uh, I think he's an interesting guy to, to look at because he's a big man, 6'11", he's 235, you know, he's well built. He's a strong guy. He's he's a junior, so he's been playing the game for a minute. He's not just like a young kid that's going to be a big time project. I think he could come in and contribute pretty quickly. Um, you know, he's got a decent looking jump shot. You know, I don't think he's a guy that's going to come out and, and hit you know, thirty-five percent of his threes right off the bat, but I think he, he's gonna have to be defended honestly out there. So he helps stretch the floor a little bit. You know, he's a bigger guy, but he seems pretty agile. Um, so you know, he might not be able to switch the same way that uh Robert or Tice or Horford did, but I don't think he'd get killed on pick and rolls either. So I think he's an interesting guy for us to be looking at. Um, you know, a lot of folks are, are looking at some of these point guard options. Again, I, I'm not falling in love with a lot of point guard options because I'm kind of already admittedly in love with Marcus smart. and I will apologize for it. Um, so a lot man. of, yeah. And so a lot of folks are looking at Josh Giddy and he's a guy that's getting a lot of attention right now because measurably, um, and stylistically, I guess he compares in a lot of people's minds to, um, the, to the what is it, Lamelo Ball? Okay, yep.
0: I was gonna uh, say Joe being, Ingles, but yeah,
1: yeah. That being said, he's probably closer to Joe Ingalls than he is Lamelo Ball. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm not sure where people are getting that comp, but you know he's he's a big point guard, which I think excites a lot of folks. But I don't know that he's actually going to be able to play point guard in the NBA. I, I mm-hmm. think he's. I actually like your comp when I when I watch his videos. He makes me think a lot more of a Joe Ingles than, than anything, you know, a guy that can be a good playmaker from his position, but's never, but never is really going to be able to, to feature because he, he just doesn't. I don't think he's got the quickness to, to hang at that position. Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I haven't watched him ever, to be honest, even though he is Australian and he has played in the NBL um certainly when Bainesy aaron baines was on the this celtics this is the one a, a guy you should have
1: locked down man <laughs> yeah i know right like the, yeah. the good I stuff mean, from you right
0: he, now he is the one name that i wrote down because i did i did read a couple of mock drafts last night just to get a sense of who's sort of available in the range of 16 and, and josh giddy was a name that popped up he is australian he is uh listed as a wing slash point guard uh, and he's 6'8 so i think there are a lot of similarities to To Joe Ingles, there I think, despite the lack of quickness he mentioned, he's still quicker than Joe Ingles. And yet, with (laughs) that lack of quickness, Joe Ingles manages to have uh, a very noticeable impact on the game with his playmaking and his three-point shooting, which were two aspects that were sort of highlighted as as part of of Giddy's game there as well. And they're both relatively the same height as well. So there's sort of this, you know, essentially a win. He can't shoot though. He can't shoot. Okay, well then the mock mock draft that I I read uh, lied to me. I think it might have said that he could be he could be taught to shoot <laughs> Which like yes, theory, yes. could be applied he to could, anybody he could
1: be, yeah you know what maybe we strap a couple of paddles to his hands and if you <laughs> yeah, know we, yeah <laughs> he just it keep paddle out. guy on
0: the on the coaching staff it's all we can't need. let this battle but, yeah. guy go <laughs> yeah i mean giddy obviously jumped off the page there for me given he's um from from australia a couple of other names that were mentioned so user out to beat the fray made a post um, to some contention there. There were some negative responses, but they wrote Jeremiah Robinson Earl from Villanova is the next Al Horford, just in their sort of the (laughs) behavioral aspects of their game and also their physical dimensions too. Um, I don't, again, I don't watch a lot of college hoops, so I don't know much about this player, but, you know, people of Celtics Reddit they've done the research. We've got to shout them out.
1: Yep. And someone someone else in that thread made a comment that I actually I ended up bo- upvoting because I thought it was a much better comparison. He actually is a super reminiscent of actually like Grant Williams' playstyle. Yeah, right. Reminds a lot so I suppose Al Horford's the ceiling, the pie in the sky ceiling. Grant
0: Williams is the floor. That was user Defantomenislecker. Nice. Yeah, so a couple of other names at Ashaka on Twitter um They mentioned the Boston Celtics will host Canadian guard AJ Lawson for workouts in the coming days, getting more explosive by the day, real smooth, almost 6'8 now, high upside. And did a bit of reading on this person and it seems like they fall in the range of like the the deep project or even a two-way contract. Um, But nice to see maybe the Celtics looking at a two-way contract that it's not way too tall or way too short. You know, 6'8 as a point guard, I think, is uh, really the sweet spot there. And nice to see maybe an, a, a different approach as far as getting some some guards on the team there. So maybe that's Brad Stevens leaving his mark already. Obviously loves, you know, a switchable defense and a 6'8 yep. point guard certainly plugs into that system very well. So um, just quickly, we'll get to one more name. And then, Jason, if you've got any more, we'll, we'll get back to you. But Chris Grenham tweeted out that the NAIA All-American E.J. Onu is among the prospects working out for the Celtics this week, according to a source. At six eleven, with a seven-six wings- wingspan, Onu led Shawnee State to a national championship this past season. His athleticism will intrigue NBA front offers, so, uh, offices. So, officers. So maybe, um, like uh, hedging your bets there on, on on Rob Williams as far as appointing a, a similar archetype there.
1: Yeah, and I, I watched some of the video that was posted about him. You know, the one the one thing I'd say is it was kind of like watching the the video when folks were coming out of high school and you'd watch guys like Al Jefferson or Dwight Howard like dominate in high school it, it like those video really play off kind of like that so it seems like maybe he's playing at a you know a, a slightly lower level uh peer wise so it'd be interesting to see how he does against you know higher level competition but like you said maybe these are guys they're considering for you know, a second round pick, guys that they might bring in if they go undrafted and and have them on a two-way contract, have them spending some time in Maine with the Mm -hmm. the newly named Maine Celtics. Um, (laughs) Creative. Yikes. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it would be an interesting prospect to take a look at.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, look, there's plenty of exciting things coming up in the offseason. And one thing that we like to do on this podcast every offseason is map it out because I think in the whirlwind of the of playoff season ending and the disappointment and the sort of the dust settles and you're trying to emotionally pick yourself back up you start to think like okay what next what's coming up uh, and a good way for us to look at that is just sort of the the upcoming important dates for the off season and typically myself and the other guys on the pod would you know go and look through you know nba.com and various articles and, and sort of map it out ourselves this year Keith Smith of Celtics blog has written that exact article and I'm going to plagiarize, uh, slash read out some of the dates that he's listed here. So some key dates in the upcoming, uh, I guess some key upcoming dates in the off season. So June 21 to 27 is the NBA draft combine. Um, and Jason, feel free to jump in here. If any of these dates or events mean anything to you in particular, they're all, they're all pretty generic though. Mm -hmm. June 22 is the draft lottery, which, uh, for the first time in a while, Date has relatively little meaning for the Celtics. No more Yay, Nets, Kings, or Grizzlies picks of. to monitor. It is kind of it does. It's kind of a load off your mind, right? To not have to worry about the successful fans. Some people Some people
1: wanted us to tank for a lottery pick.
0: Yeah, I'm not that's one of right. those
1: cats. But some some folks are feeling that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So July seven is the NCAA 2021 NBA draft early entry candidate withdrawal deadline. Uh, a reach here for Keith Smith. I, I, I didn't. I mean, I, <laughs> I I don't know. Is there is there any significance to that date or event to you? Nah, not really. Okay, All right, let's mean, move on. Yeah. All right, July twenty-two, the last possible date for the NBA Finals. That that's impactful. It's the last date that we can know that we're going to wake up and enjoy some some basketball that day. So, um, important there. July twenty-three to August eight, the Tokyo Olympics. No idea if they will even happen, or if they do, if any Celtics will be involved. Um. Do you do you have a hope for our Celtics there, Jason? As to I whether mean, or not they'll include I love, themselves. I
1: love our guys to get a break, but I know that you know playing in those in those leagues uh, or the, in those tournaments means a lot to yeah to a lot of these players. So you know if the guys are up for it and want to be a part of that, I I'm going to be happy to to catch you know the games or the highlights however I can. But if they take the time to rest and recover from what's been a tough couple of seasons, I'll be super excited to hear that too.
0: Well, Fournier is definitely suiting up for France, reportedly, and Tristan Thompson is part of the player pool for Team Canada. Whereas Smart and Brown are not part of the initial player pool, or Smart isn't, rather, and Brown is injured. Same with Kemba Walker. So Tatum is really the only potential call up there for for that team. July twenty nine, the twenty twenty one NBA draft this goes this back is to what we were just talking about. Yeah, so that that's probably the big one, and you can expect, I think, all of us can expect a coach to have been appointed um, by that point. Because the personnel that we acquire thereafter, you know, is very much um, impacted by the, the coach that we appoint as well. So And
1: I think that's gonna be telling because we're gonna it's gonna be a real interesting glimpse into Brad Stevens as the the president of basketball operations. I I guess technically GM isn't associated with this title, but I mean, you know, I think that's the unless we're calling him Pobo, which somebody in the media started <laughs> using that. Um <laughs> But it's going to be our first chance to kind of see what he sees as far as moving forward with this team, identifying prospects. We've all been taken aback multiple times by Danny's moves at the at the draft. So it'll be interesting to see, does Danny kind of just play into a more predictable narrative that we can kind of get comfortable with? Or is he going to be kind of like Danny and just do whatever makes sense to him regardless of what anyone has to say about it or what any popular uh, media has to think about it?
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to a clean slate there as far as like behavioral expectations from (laughs) from our president or GM um, in that, you know, eventually there with with Ainge, it almost became predictable. I think about the last couple of drafts where he had all of these picks and you kind of went in with the hope that surely he was going to trade up or he was going to make some sort of trade to sort of consolidate those assets and and not overcrowd our team with, with rookie sophomore players. And of course, he didn't, and he made those drafts, and you know, we um, made those picks rather, and it became predictable. So I'm looking forward to just an element of surprise in, in whatever Brad Stevens does there. Uh, July 31, Jabari Parker's contract becomes guaranteed for $100,000. Not a bad chunk of Love change, yeah. Um, Love it. So he seems to be, and I guess that'll be confirmed at that point. Part of the the team's uh, He's at a least dark short-term for plans. being
1: like real impactful next season. Like he, he seemed a little bit out of shape in the playoffs, especially. But he definitely seemed like he was going for it. And he was digging in on defense. He got burned, but he was digging in. He was giving it a go. Yeah, He's he's a dark horse for being a real impactful contributor to this team next year. And if he kind of finds a way to shine and, and revitalize his career a little bit, and this might play into who we get as a coach and can that coach, you know, evoke that kind of um, energy from him and, and get that production out of him this upcoming season and help revitalize his career, similar to how Brad did for Evan Turner that would be really something and that could really open up some opportunity for success because that would just balance the jays in a way at that that three four swing position in a way that we just haven't really had so that you know that's going to be interesting a that you know the contract becomes fully guaranteed and we'll probably know by that point a little bit more
0: clearly what our intentions are with it for sure yeah absolutely August 1 qualifying off a deadline for restricted free agents so for Boston this impacts our two-way players Taco Fall and Traemon Waters Jason of those two players uh, is there one that you think they'll keep or drop or what do you think the sort of the immediate future holds for those two guys
1: I have to imagine they're both gone not for any yeah. like lack of you know I, I just I just think yeah there's not room for them on the roster anymore um, Yeah neither one of them have been able to demonstrate the ability to be effective contributors at the NBA level. Um, They both seem like great guys and hard workers, but there just doesn't seem to be a space for
0: them. Sure. Absolutely. I I agree with you there. And I think the We Want Taco chants have gone from cute and endearing to like a little bit sad, which sucks because... It's
1: like Pat... Yeah.
0: I'd be frustrated if I were Taco. Yeah. And by all accounts, he's like a super awesome dude. And I kind of feel bad for him there like that he's like this you know the, uh, it's not my original term but the, the human victory cigar I, I want yeah. more for him and I think there's probably you know roles within the league or other leagues for him to be truly impactful and I'm sure that he's you know garnered a lot of valuable experience in the last couple of years but I you know i i hope that whatever is next for him you know is something that he can focus on long term and that makes him happy i want him to be happy he seems like a good guy yeah. never never met him yeah. um august 2 free agent negotiations open so this is when we go out and get ish smith right that's right oh man <laughs> that's all that's i want true right there <laughs> uh august 6 free agents can officially sign august 8 august 17 nba summer league there will be a summer league presumably Nee smith will play pritchard will play you know dominate some of the most joyous celtics moments in the last few years have been our summer league teams you know that the carson Edwards stretch um that summer league team where we had tatum and brown rookie tatum and and sophomore brown like there's there's been some good summer league showings for the celtics this could be one of the best i love me some
1: summer league i love me some summer league listen I almost got disowned by my family because I watched Al Jefferson in summer league instead of watching the Red Sox win the world series. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> wow. I'm good. I'm watching Al.
0: That's my dude. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Uh, late September, 2021 NBA training camp begins. Um, there's going to be a training camp. Um, like we didn't have much of a camp last year. So I think that alone, the paddles. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> Ship them in. um, Anytime before the start of the 21-22 season, rookie-scale contract extension deadline for Robert Williams. Again, I think we'll do another pod on this as some of the other details for the offseason yeah, starts to emerge. he's getting extended
1: one way or the other. They're going to extend him one way or
0: the other. I certainly hope so. Absolutely. Yeah. And we might even get a good, you know, Steph Curry-style deal, um, upscale down a little bit, obviously, but in that he yeah. has an injury concern, maybe we can get him cheaper. maybe that works out well for the Celtics. Uh, quickly last two dates here October 31 the deadline to pick up the 2022-23 team option for rookie scale players so for the Celtics this would include fourth year team options for Romeo Langford and Grant Williams and the third year options for Neesmith and Pritchard and finally late October the 2021-22 NBA season starts um where are we at now we're in june so we've got like a good three four months here of um of no nba basketball for the celtics which sucks but uh we want that rest for our guys right like just every day that you're bored with a lack of celtics is another day that our beloved tatum and brown and co get to recover we need we need to
1: retire a new jersey that just says hospital celtics we need to retire that jersey and let it be done with hospital celtics needs to be over
0: yeah, we can, we can hang it up with the jersey that says Brooklyn pick and trade a player exception right. on the back that's as right. well. All right, I think that's going to do it for this one. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks to all the good folks from Celtics Reddit for your posts and your comments. We love your stuff there. And Jason, love your work, mate. Thanks again for coming on. Hey, thanks again, man. Been a pleasure. Talk to you next time. Awesome. All right, folks. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace.